And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. Of course, they would leave by another way. Not just for the practical reason that they were shown the true motives of Herod, but because no one should leave an encounter with the Lord unchanged. Right there, leaving by another way is a beautiful poetic way of saying that they were changed. That their experience with our blessed Lord Jesus had made them go by another way. Had made them walk in a different manner. Had made them live differently than before their encounter with him. And that should be the case for us too. After an encounter with the Lord, if we remain unchanged, that's not on him, that's on us. But of course, sometimes we might feel a little bit impatient with that change. We might think, yes, Father, I have been following the Lord for years and years and years, and I'm still not quite there, right? I I still fall into similar habits of sin, or I might still have some difficulties that, that I have to deal with, and I just feel so powerless before them all. Well, that's where we have in the Magi's today our models for how we can, imitating them, be changed by an experience with the Lord Jesus and actually be able to return to our, Lord, uh, to our lives following a different path, living a different way. So the two questions that we have to answer are, who are the Magi and what did they do that we can imitate? First, who are they? We sing songs that call them the three kings, or we speak of them as the three wise men, the three sages. So who were they? Well, the Magi, or Magoi, were a tribe of the Persians, right, of the Medes. They were to them what the Levites were to the tribes of Israel. They were the priestly tribe, the clan that offered worship, that that taught, that instructed. They were the ones who sought God's will in the sky, right? So they were uh, astrologers of their time. And, And it was they that came to the Christ child to be able to do him homage. They were essentially dignitaries from a foreign land who had seen the sign that a great king was being born and came to say, we want to offer our respect, our homage, our honor to give glory to this new king. But in a more important sense than all the historical background is that they were us. Or rather, they are images of what we are. We are those who are seeking the Lord. Those who we we have these desires, we have these questions, and we're seeking something. And we realize that we're seeking someone. And in that, we now have the Magi as our models. And so what did the Magi do? Well, they did a few things. Upon arriving in Jerusalem, what was the first thing that they did? They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. Right? Their first great act is that they're willing to wonder. They're willing to question. They're willing to ask, to seek, which is something that we would do well to imitate. 
Sometimes we have this completely false notion that faith and reason are meant to be completely separate. That if I'm to believe, I need to stop thinking. Or that if I'm a thinking man, I can't believe. No, no, no. The two are meant to come together. That, that faith is, is what brings reason to its highest heights, higher than it ever could go without revelation, without being able to be lifted on the wings of faith to be able to consider things beyond this world. But faith without reason ends up being just superstition, just a mere grasping after things without actually understanding them. No, theology is that beautiful thing of faith-seeking understanding, saying, I believe this because God revealed it, but the way that I believe it better is by seeking to understand it more. Right? The eyes of faith do not mean the blinding of reason. Rather, it means being able to see ever more clearly. And so we can ask ourselves, do we have the courage to ask questions? To actually study our faith? Or have we resigned ourselves to just sentimentality and superstition. To just say like, yeah, I believe, but I don't actually understand what I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess it's kind of some weird religious magic type of stuff. I fear that that is the way that many of us approach our faith. And yet the Magi show us that to ask a question, to seek truth, to pursue that truth is a good thing. So first, the Magi were willing to wonder. They were willing to question But they didn't just have those kinds of questions that were more properly called doubts. They didn't have those kind of questions that end in a period rather than a question mark. Those kind of questions that people throw out like a trump card. Well, what about this? And they'll just see an apparent discrepancy in the scriptures, maybe. And they'll say, well, this is why I don't believe, because of this. And then when we ask, well, have you ever actually looked at whether the church has an explanation for that? We'll say, well, no, because I don't believe that the church does. Well, have, have you sought one? No. And sometimes we do that ourselves. We assume that the church does not have an explanation for one of her teachings, and so we just reject it. We assume maybe that, that, that the scriptures are too confusing, and so I'm never going to enter into them. Instead of realizing we've been at this for 2,000 years. There are answers to our questions. There are myriad explanations for the things that confuse us. We just have to use our intellect enough, have enough courage to ask the question, and then pursue the answer. When's the last time we opened up the scriptures? When's the last time we opened up the catechism? When's the last time that we put as much effort into learning our faith as we have into learning our trade? Because we're all experts at something. Right? What we do often to make money, we realize, oh, I need to know this well. I need to continue to educate myself because otherwise I'm not going to have a job. Well, what about the faith? I need to continue to educate myself because otherwise I won't have eternal salvation. It's not just about being able to earn the money that will, will keep my physical life going. No, no, I need to be able to learn the faith to keep that spiritual flame alive. To be able to know that I am living out what God has called me to live in this Catholic faith. So the Magi, they wondered, they questioned, they sought truth. And then upon encountering truth himself, Jesus Christ, who says he is the way, the truth, and the life. When they come into his presence, what is the first thing that they do? They prostrated themselves and did him homage. 
And here we can think, how reverent am I before the living Lord? Do I treat him with more or less respect than I treat my grandparents? Do I treat him with more or less respect than I would treat an officer of the law? Do I treat him with more or less respect than I would treat any stranger that I come across? Very often, it's actually less. Because familiarity breeds contempt. We think he's big, he's fine, he's always there, he'll be okay. Instead of realizing this is the Lord, the King of the universe. How are we at Mass? Thanks be to God. In general, uh, here we do treat him with respect, but we can always think, how can I prostrate myself in my heart to, to show even more respect before the Lord who comes humbled in the Eucharist? To, to be with me. Before I receive him, do I think, oh, Lord, I just want to be completely humble before you. I want to be able to give you due glory and honor and reverence in this moment. Or do I let it be something routine? Because I've done it so many hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. Do I have that same excitement that the Magi had? That they were overjoyed at seeing the star because they knew that it was leading them to the king. Am I overjoyed when I see that host lifted up? Because I know that I'm looking upon the king, that I'm soon to receive the king. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After adoring, after showing reverence, what do we then do when we encounter the Lord? We give him something. And what is it that we can give? We usually come without gold, without frankincense, without myrrh. What can we come before the sacred presence of the Lord with? We can give him so many things, but I'll focus on three. Our time, our attention, and our sins. First, we give him our time, which is synonymous with our life. Because our life is limited here. It's bounded by space and time. We live in a particular place and only for a certain span of time. So if I give someone 15 minutes of my time, I have given them 15 minutes of my life. I have said, you are worthy of this. I love you. And so here is a little bit of myself, of my life. I'm never going to get that back. I give it freely to you. We give that to Netflix. We give that to scrolling through our phone. We give that to so many different things. Do I daily give that to the Lord? Do I daily recognize, Lord, you've given me every single minute of these 24 hours. Can I at least spare 15 to give back to you? Maybe 20, maybe 30. Even five makes him smile. Right? Do I give of my time, which is to say, do I give of my life to be in the presence of the Lord? Or do I use sorry excuses to avoid that? It's, it's very easy to, to not enter into prayer with this excitement of, I get to speak to the king of the universe, but instead to say like, gosh, I have to spend time with the king of the universe again. But sometimes we treat our uh, prayer as that kind of an obligation, as if God is this needy friend who like, oh, I have to talk to him again today. Instead of realizing we're the needy ones. He's the generous one. He gives us his time and his attention. Right? His attention is focused on us when we are in prayer. And so that's the second thing we can give to him is our attention. And that's a precious commodity of which we have so little. 
We're not trained to put our attention in one place very well. And I, I speak before you as a fellow culprit, right? I don't put my attention into my prayer as well as I would like. And so that's one of the graces I'm asking for in 2022 is I ask the Lord, help me to pay attention as I pray, to give you my time each and every day and to actually pour my attention into that time instead of letting myself be so easily distracted. Because that's what we do with the people that we love so often. I know whenever I visit my parents, I'm so happy that I get to be with them. And then within half an hour, sometimes they're talking and I have my phone out. I'm like, yeah, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, cool. Even though I came to visit them. But it's so easy to put our attention in so many different places. So how do we train ourselves in placing our attention in the present moment with the Lord? By just doing it, right? By, By trying hard every single day and starting small. By saying, you know what, for these three minutes, I'm going to focus on the Lord. And every time that a distraction comes, I'm going to calmly say, Lord, I choose you more than this other thought. And if in the span of three minutes, I have to 70 times go, Lord, I choose you over this other thought, over this worry, over that distraction. That's 70 times that I got to say to the Lord, Lord, I love you more than that thing. If we are assailed by a distraction, Distraction, sorry, every single time that we pray, that doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. That means we still have work to do. That means that we have opportunities to choose the Lord over and over and over again in our prayer. Sometimes that distraction, we could even bring to him and say like, Lord, I keep thinking about this friend from high school. What's that about? You know what, Lord? I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for her. Sometimes the distraction might be an invitation to pray about a certain thing. So we give God our time, we give God our attention, and then thirdly, we give God our sins. And you see, that's kind of the weird one, right? We want to give him something impressive. We don't come and say, like, happy birthday, Jesus, here's the ways that I messed up. But that's what he wants. Because the only force powerful enough in all of the universe to separate us from the love of God is our freely chosen sin. Nothing else can do it. Nothing external. All of the forces of uh, this world, even all of the legions of hell, cannot separate you from God. The only thing that can is your free choice to say, I want this over my relationship with you. And God doesn't want anything in between us and himself. So the thing that brings him the greatest joy is when we take anything and everything that has kept us from him and say, here, I give this to you. I surrender it into your hands. I know that I'm still weak. I know that I'm still prone to sin. But at this moment, I choose to never sin again. I know it's going to be tough. I know probability-wise, I'll probably sin again. But at this moment, I choose to break ties with every habit of sin. And we do that most spectacularly in the confessional. When we have the courage to actually give voice to our sins, to say, yes, I did this. I claim it, but I leave it here. I give it to you, and I leave a free person. But we train ourselves for those confessions by having a daily examine. Daily, at the end of the day, to be able to thank God for the good things, to reflect on the bad things, and to look forward to the day to come. It's something that sometimes takes only three minutes, but it can be three minutes so well spent. Because in that moment, we give him our time, we give him our attention. And in whatever way we can, by a good act of contrition, we give him our sins. 
That's what we have to offer, and that's what he desires. Those are the gifts that we have, and so this year, let's give them. Let's imitate these magi in being able to wonder, to question, to pursue truth, to actually move from our comfort zone into where we think we may experience the Lord. When we encounter him, let us do so with reverence, with honor, with devotion, giving him all glory. And then let us give him all that we are and all that we have, knowing that through that encounter he can change us so that we can return to our lives living another way.